Any of you want to hear about angels a little bit more tonight? And George, you are dismissed, Finding the Rock. And God bless all the Finding the Rock folks. Give them a hand as they go. That's a bunch of them. And those of you that are towards the back, you can move up if you like. You can move towards the front. We've got some chairs. I promise I won't bite. I won't embarrass you. I won't point you out. And nobody moved. It's so, all right. No, feel free to if you want to right now, and you can get a little bit closer. But tonight, we're going to talk about angels in prophecy. I got to tell you, folks, the more I study this and prepare for these, these uh, evenings with you, on this subject of angels, I'm amazed at how prevalent they are in the Bible. Over 300 times angels are mentioned in the Bible. 300. You don't mention a figment of the imagination 300 times. You don't mention a fable or a myth 300 times. Uh, the Bible treats angels as true, actual, living beings at the command of God. And tonight, we're going to look at how prominent their role is in unfolding future events and in Bible prophecy. So let's do that. And uh, I'm going to read something that I just uh, grabbed as a quote from Gary Kinneman. He wrote a book called Angels, Dark and Light. And here's what he says, angels play a very active role in the purposes of God and the affairs of men but do not control human events or violate the free will of human beings. Amen. That's true. They are at the beck and call of God. Now, can we stand together and we're going to pray. Next week, I'm going to talk about guardian angels. Guardian angels. And that's going to be a really, really good one. Don't miss next week. But now let's pray over tonight. Father, we thank you that your word is so clear on the subject of angels. And Lord, I believe that you want your people to understand the activity of angels, the protection of angels, the purpose and the role of angels. And Lord, we just pray tonight for divine illumination, that you would speak to our hearts and Lord, illumine our understanding so that we can get a grasp and a grip on what you're telling us through your word. Now, will you breathe a prayer, church, and just say, Lord, speak to me tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's read Acts 1, 10 through 11 together out loud. Are you ready? They were still looking up to heaven, watching him, that is Jesus, go. All at once, two men dressed in white stood beside them. They said, you men of the country of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken away from you into heaven will return in the same way you saw him go up into heaven. All right, God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you. And let's, uh, let's look at this. It's amazing to me that as Jesus ascended into heaven, while the shaken disciples watched in awe, angels announced his return and angels will play a huge role in unfolding future prophetic events. Notice how they were described, two men dressed in white. Every time you read about New Testament visitations of angels, this is pretty much the way they're always described, wearing shining garments, light, 
power. That's the way the Bible describes them. Powerful beings. You know, when you look at the Bible, angels have always played a role in the human drama. They were there at the creation when God made man. Angels were there. Listen to what Job records God saying. God is sort of telling Job off a little bit. And he says to him, where were you when I began building the earth? <laughs> Rhetorical question, amen? You, you wasn't there. But then he goes on. Who laid its first stone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God, and that is angels, called out for joy? So when God flung the stars into space, when God created his universe, the angels were there watching and rejoicing. So we can easily assume that the angels were created before the world. Angels preceded the earth. Now, as angels were active in the beginning of all things, what we're going to look at tonight is they will also help bring to pass God's prophetic declarations as we near the end of time. How many of you are aware that we are nearing the end of time? This whole thing is winding down like a clock. Uh, if it was an hourglass and it were turned upside down, I believe there would be about 10% of sand left in that hourglass. Jesus predicted that he would one day return. And notice what he said, all the holy angels will be with me when I return. I will return accompanied by myriad holy angels. Now, Jesus wasn't just talking pretty or poetically or looking for flowery speech. He was telling us a fact. When he comes back, the holy angels are going to be with him, accompanying him, surrounding him. Jesus, the Bible says, will return like a thief in the night. It will be sudden. It will be unexpected. The world will be saying, peace, peace. It'll be like it was in the days of Noah. And in the days of Noah, there was a false sense of security. The people of Noah's day did not believe in the judgment of God. They did not believe that God was going to judge the world for its sin. They mocked Noah, made fun of him, ridiculed him, and rejected his word, though he preached for over a century. Then the rain began to fall. Too late, he was already in the ark. And God, the Bible says, shut the door. He couldn't hear the cries of the damned. But this is the way that it will be. Instead of raining, suddenly Jesus will come. It'll take place as the world is experiencing great suffering through totalitarianism, poverty, Disease, earthquakes, moral collapse, war, and the like. And you can read Luke 21, verse 26, or Matthew 24 about these things. Let's just see what the Bible really has to say about the end of time. The Bible is a prophetic book as much as it is a teaching book, a guide. It is a prophetic book. It is the only trustworthy prophetic book on this planet. 
The only other thing you can trust is any book written from the Bible and on the Bible, accurately exegeting the Bible. The Bible tells us about the future. Not only is Jesus coming back, it says believing Christians and believing Jews alike will be persecuted before he returns. Jesus predicted that men will deliver you up to the synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for my namesake. You will be betrayed by your parents, by your brethren, that is your siblings, and kinsfolk and friends. There will be a betrayal factor in the world before Jesus comes. Paul told us in 2 Timothy that natural love, natural affection will have grown cold because of the presence of iniquity. And that's one of the clear signs of sin. Sin destroys the ability to have natural affection. It destroys the emotions that God gave us. He's coming back. Jesus also predicted that there would be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity. That's confusion. The sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear, men having heart attacks over what they see coming upon the world. And for looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of very heaven are going to be shaken before the coming of Christ. So I'm going to tell you something here tonight. Listen carefully to me. Evolution, the teaching that we all evolved from some single-celled organism, is one of the greatest hoaxes ever perpetrated upon mankind. It is a lie. Because evolution tells us things are evolving into a better form, a better, a better world, a, a better way. That's not true. The whole world is devolving. The whole world is preparing itself for a final climax, for an end. Time as we know it is going to end. And a new world is coming. And so I want you to understand tonight that you did not evolve. You were born with a purpose and with a destiny. God has a will for your life. And the greatest thing you can ever do is find out what that was and what it is and do it. I don't believe you've lived until you do the will of God. I don't believe you've lived. I believe you have existed until you do the will of God. So we're not evolved, we're created. Now, all these things that we just read about will climax with the return of Christ Jesus. The return of Christ Jesus is going to be the climax of history. It says, and this is Jesus talking, and then they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. They will look up and they will see Jesus returning and even the lost, depraved eyes of man will look and they will see he has power and great glory. And Revelations tells us that they will call for the mountains and the rocks to fall upon them, to hide them from the face of the one who is coming back. It is at this moment 
that the angels of God, the angels of God that we've been talking about, are going to wage war with Satan himself, who will intensify his activities as the end draws near. Scripture assures us that God's angels will be victorious over the devil and his forces. Listen to what Jesus said. The Son of Man will send his angels. Amen. They will gather out of his holy nation all things that cause people to sin and those who do sin. Not just sinners, but things that make people stumble into sin. I mean, these angels are going to clean house. Not just sinners are they going to gather, but that which caused people to stumble into sin. Everything, drugs, pornography, alcohol, everything that causes people to stumble into sin. The angels are going to gather it and burn it. So can you imagine the power of these beings we've been talking about? How do you sweep the earth and find all of that? The mighty angels of God can. They will put them into the fiery furnace. Ooh. So don't tell me there's no hell. Let's read that together. They will put them into the fiery furnace. Who is them? The people who sinned and did not repent and that which caused people to stumble into sin will be burned. There will be, what everybody, read it, loud crying and grinding of teeth. Mm. Now, if you want some concurrence on that, listen to this. Paul the Apostle wrote, When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels, he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. The Bible says that, not Jeff Wickwire. The Bible says that. That's why I'm putting these up here for, for you to see with me. We're just teaching the Bible. The most trustworthy book on earth is this one right here. It's your sword. It is your wisdom. It's your guide. It's your protection. It's your truth right here. And so we're just showing you what it says. Jesus is going to come. His angels are coming with him. And it's going to be, it's going to be reaping time. Now, as we look around us, it seems that the world is on a suicidal course, doesn't it? Rogue nations are seeking to acquire the Frankenstein weapons of mass destruction so feared in our day. Crime, murder, mayhem, and lawlessness seem to have surrounded us. Amen. The human race is dashing madly towards an ultimate climax, and the Bible tells us what the climax is going to be. A new world is coming. Now, I'm going to say that again. This, what we're about to read is what the Jews thought Jesus was going to do what the Hebrew people thought he was going to do on his first appearance on earth. They thought he was going to do this. They didn't understand the suffering Messiah, 
the dying for our sins, and the resurrection from the dead. This is what they thought he was going to do. Bring in a whole new world, overthrow the Roman government and the tyranny of the Roman government, and bring peace. But it wasn't that time. It was time for him to die. But now we're headed towards what they believed about him in the first place. Isaiah, the great prophet, predicted that one day the wolf and the lamb are going to eat together and the lion will eat straw like the, like the ox. In other words, carnivorous activity is gone. Hmm? I mean, they're eating straw. Lions. Okay? And dust will be the snake's food. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountains, says the Lord. Pain and destruction are going to be wiped away. Now, he also predicted the end of all war. Isaiah said, and they will beat their swords into plows and their spears into knives for cutting vines. Nation will not lift up sword against nation and they will not learn about war anymore. There will never be peace on this planet, never until Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, returns. Then there will be peace. Because we will be under a true theocracy, the rule of God through his Messiah. It will no longer be a democracy, no voting Jesus in or out. It'll be a theocracy. He'll be ruling, and this is what happens when he rules. There's no war. There's no more destruction. There's no more pain. Praise God. As we explore the role of angels in end-time events, I want us to first realize tonight that the hour is late. I read this. It really touched me. A little girl heard a broken clock chime 13 times. She ran to her mother and said, Mother, it's later than it's ever been before. But you know what? That statement is true of our world today. It's later than it's ever been before. We're headed towards the end. And Jesus said, when you see all these things coming to pass, lift up your heads Get right with God, walk with God, because your redemption draws near. Now, let's, uh, let's see what part angels are going to play in end-time events. One of the things we've already looked at, let's look at it more closely, angels are going to gather God's elect. How many of you believe that one day an angel is going to whisk you to glory? The rest of you don't know. Watch this. We've already seen that when Jesus returns, he's going to be accompanied by a vast host of these beings called angels. And we've also seen that they will gather out of the world all things that offend and those who do iniquity. But Jesus also said that his mighty angels would gather his people from every corner of the earth. And they'll find you. Look what he said. Then the arrival, this is the message Bible then the arrival of the Son of Man, it will fill the skies. No one will miss it. Unprepared people all over the world, outsiders to his splendor and power, will raise a huge lament as they watch the Son of Man blazing out of heaven. At that same moment, he'll dispatch, uh, dispatch his angels with a trumpet blast summons, pulling in... God's chosen from the four winds, 
from pole to pole. You say, Pastor, this just sounds too fantastic. You know, folks, if, if, if we were living right now before the time of Jesus' birth in Bethlehem, and somebody was up here teaching saying, someday there's going to be a baby born of a virgin, and you're going to call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And uh, he's going to grow up without sin. He's going to die on a cross for our sins. And then he is going to be resurrected from the dead. We would be saying the same thing. That sounds too fantastic. And yet, it happened. And the gospel hinges on these two truths. The virgin birth and the resurrection. And the guarantee that springs from those two truths is that he's also coming back. Angels were standing there when he ascended. And they said, you see how he's ascending? You see him disappearing into the clouds, going back to the Father in the same way and in the same location. He's returning. He will land on the Mount of Olives. It will cleave in half. That return will be seen by the world. And they will gnash their teeth. And I just knocked my mic off. I get all worked up over this. They'll gnash their teeth. And they will say, if only I had believed. It'll be a day of reckoning, a day of judgment, a day of accounting with God. And so he's coming back. And when he does, he's going to be accompanied by the angels of God. And so can you imagine the angels going into the four corners of the world and gathering God's elect? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the last trump, the dead in Christ shall rise first, and those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. Who's the them? Those who have been in the grave. You, the, the living will be caught up together with them. In a microsecond of time, we'll be given a glorified body, and we will meet them in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Are you comforted? He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Did I not say unto you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Roll away the stone and let me at your brother. And he raised Lazarus from the clammy dead. Down in that grave for four days, raised him up, came waddling out in grave clothes, took the grave clothes off. The man had two funerals in his life. How many people do you know that did that? He died twice. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He is the resurrection. And part of the rapture involves angels. Now, also, angels will release great judgments that shall fall upon a Christ-rejecting world during the Great Tribulation. The book of Revelations predicts three series of terrible judgments falling upon the world during the tribulation period. And they're called the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven bowl judgments. They will happen concurrently. They'll, they'll happen one right after the other. Uh, uh, and the Bible tells us, if you read the book of Revelation, it is the Lord Jesus, the Lamb of God, that opens up the seven seals and releases what is within the seven seals. 
And part of what comprises the seven seals is the famous four horsemen of the apocalypse. And that is released by Christ. But if you read on, you'll see that the seven trumpets and the seven bowl judgments are released by God's mighty angels. They are integrally involved in the judgments that fall upon mankind. So, Pastor Jeff, why would God let such judgments come upon man? Well, the answer is simple. Jesus gave the answer. If you reject him, then you reject God's answer for us, his solution to the sin problem. If you reject the Son, you reject life. To come to the Son and say, Jesus, forgive me, God puts in your spiritual account righteousness. But if you never do that, all that is in your spiritual account is sin and judgment and a certain fearful looking for the judgment of God that's going to come your way. So the only way to cleanse the slate is the Son. These terrible judgments, when you read about the character of these people in the book of Revelation, it says even while they see all these judgments falling, they continue to curse God. They continue to curse him and to revile him and to live in their wickedness. They are people that if you let them live for a thousand years would never repent. Y'all are quiet tonight. Y'all with me? Okay. Let me just give you an example of these seven uh, trumpets and seven bowl judgments. Notice. John the Revelator says, out of the temple came the the who, everybody? The seven angels with the seven plagues. And look how it describes them. Just like always, they were dressed in clean, shining linen. They wore golden sashes around their chests. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels, what everybody? Seven golden bowls filled with the wrath of of God who lives forever and ever. And look what happens next. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power. And no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. So here are the angels we've been talking about, the guardian angels, the angels that were there at creation. All the different contexts in which we have seen them in the last few weeks. But now here they are involved in end time events. God's servants in judgment. And they are releasing plagues upon planet earth in the great tribulation period that are unlike anything that's ever been seen by mankind before, ever. Not ever. In another instance, John informs us that there are currently, right now as we speak, Four angels of God posted like sentinels at the great river Euphrates right now. And you know what they're doing? They're waiting. They're waiting for the tribulation period when they will be released. They're there right now. Now that's what Revelations tells us. So you can't see them. If you were at the Euphrates right now, I've seen the Euphrates. I didn't see angels. But John said they're there. They're at the mouth of the Euphrates, and they're waiting for this seven-year time period called the Great Tribulation. And something's going to happen 
And the Bible tells us, And the voice said to the sixth angel who held the trumpet, read it with me, everybody, release the four angels who are bound at the great Euphrates River. Now, when they received the command to be released, it says, then the four angels who had been prepared for this hour and day and month and year were turned loose to kill how much? One-third of all the people on earth. It's amazing. It's an amazing thing. And, you know, you read this and you go, I don't know if I want an angel around me. Because <laughs> here they're, they're spooky. They're, they're these powerful agents of judgment. But see, if you're on Christ's side, this same power, this same ability to judge and execute judgment and deal with evil is with you. Amen. Amen. So, yes, in the tribulation period, this is one of the awesome judgments. A third of the population of earth will be wiped out when these four angels are released. And when they are released, Revelation says a 200 million man army is released when they are released. And we head towards the valley of Megiddo in the greatest battle that the world has ever seen, the, valley, uh, the battle of Armageddon. But it all begins with the release of angels. Angels have played a key role in the revelations given to the prophets about the end times. The word angel or angels, I counted this, appears 76 times in the book of Revelation alone. Angels are mentioned 76 times in the last book in your Bible. The Apostle John testified, this is incredible, one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits on many waters. I'll tell you about that in just a second. The angel then proceeds to explain to John the origin of the future Antichrist and the political system he will control in the last days. Tells him that. Tells him where he's going to come from. Tells him some of the things he's going to do. The angel. An angel tells him this. An angel in heaven knows exactly what the Antichrist is going to do and where he's going to come from. That's the kind of knowledge God has given to his angels. John is rendered speechless, wouldn't you? by what he sees. And the angel replies, why did you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the beast that carries her. And so the angel reveals to John the mysteries of the future. An angel knew all these things. I believe the angel revealed to John that the Antichrist was going to come out of a, a revived Roman Empire probably out of somewhere in Europe. I think it's very, very likely. It's at least possible he's alive today. He is literally evil, incarnate. He's the opposite. Not that I'm saying there was an immaculate or a divine or a spiritual conception. I don't think that. But the evil that possesses this individual is every bit as 
total and complete as righteousness possessed Christ. And John is being told by an angel how this Antichrist figure is going to be a political personality and he's going to overthrow kingdoms and come into power by force. And the angel knew this. And we haven't even seen it yet. Say deep stuff, Pastor Jeff. This isn't romper room, is it? All right. And one of these days, I've had some people saying, when are you going to teach Revelations? Would you all want me to teach Revelations? Would you? Because I've done it, and I'll do it again, but I think I'm going to wait for the new building. Just, just kind of knocking that around. Because I'll tell you, if there was ever a time that Revelations is hugely relevant, it's now. And I, I've taught it twice before. We can teach it. And I think there would be some, some information now that we haven't had, things that have changed in our world that uh, were not here a number of years ago when I taught it. But I can remember on a Wednesday night having a thousand people to hear the book of Revelation. We'll do it in the new building. And we'll do it at 714. So give you 15 minutes longer to get there. Uh, I want you to notice something. This is all stuff that we would go over in that series. But it's an angel that pronounces the final end of Babylon. And what is Babylon? Babylon is representative of the deceit, the seductions, and the wickedness of the entire world. The whole Babylonian system, the world system that is driven by wickedness, covered in deceit, has seduced the inhabitants of the world. The, the system that Satan has set up, uh, he, that's the system about which he is called the prince of this world, the, the god of this age, the system his influence has put together. That's Babylon. And look what the angel, or, or John says, about the angel. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. Wow. With a mighty voice, he shouted, Fallen, fallen is Babylon, the great. She has become a home for demons and a haunt for every evil spirit a haunt for every unclean and detestable bird. Then a mighty angel picked up a boulder the size of a large millstone and threw it into the sea and said, with such violence, the great city of Babylon will be thrown down never to be found again. There is an angel predicting a major future event again. And notice again how he's described they're incredible beings, uh, you know, picking up boulders, uh, you know, great authority, uh, illuminated by splendor. Then here's another thing about angels. It's a mighty angel that will cast Satan into the bottomless pit. It's an angel. Look what John says. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss and holding in his hand a great chain. Look what the angel does. One angel, he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil 
or Satan and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him. Greater is he that is in you and greater is he that is for you and greater is he that fights for you than he that is in the world. Here's one angel takes the old devil, slew foot, old split hoof, grabs him by the scruff of the neck and hurls him into hell. Praise God. That ought to get you excited a little bit. It was an angel that revealed to John the new Jerusalem. And I wanted to close with this because it really, really touches me. The future home of the redeemed. Look what it says about John seeing yet more angels. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the last seven plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. He carried me away in the Spirit. Can you imagine that? The angel carried him away in a spiritual vision and a spiritual trance to a mountain great and high. He showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And when John saw this incredible city, he noticed 12 gates. And at each of the 12 gates stood what? An angel. Also, she had a great and high wall, that is the city, with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates. Every entrance into this city has an angel posted there. Amen. And names were written on these angels, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. At the end of John's incredible revelation, I want you to notice what he attributes his experience to. He says, quote, Then the Lord said to me, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord God did what everybody? Sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Next week, guardian angels, how they protect and deliver us. And they do. How many of you would like these angels protecting you? Amen. Can we stand together? <clears throat> you know, it's just kind of a mind blower to me that uh, right now, for instance, we know by the Word of God that these angels, like sentinels, are posted at the Euphrates River. And they have been set there for a year and a month and a day and a, right now to the very hour. That's the timing of God. And do you think that God has His world that regulated? Sometimes it looks out of control, doesn't it? But it is regulated to the hour. They already know at, at, a, at a, the hour that I've been put here for, I'm going to be released. God has an hour for you. He has an hour for me to do what he's called us to do. I believe it is turning points, hour. I do. I do. And I believe that God has a purpose for you and a timing for it. So let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for this incredible vision of angels, what you showed John, what you've shown us in the Word. 
and the incredible part they play in end time events already unfolding before our very eyes. Lord, we humble ourselves in your presence and all we could do is ask, Lord, that you would post your angels round about this church and round about this people. Lord, guard us from the schemes and the wiles of the enemy of our soul. And Lord, help us to move and do the will of God in our hour. We thank you, Lord God, that you're in charge of your world. And we thank you for the reality of your angels. We don't worship them, Lord, but we worship the God who commands them. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise tonight, can you?